This episode of the Case for Safety podcast is sponsored by Fisher Scientific, a part of Thermo Fisher Scientific. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Case for Safety podcast. I'm your host, Scott Fowler. Thank you so much for joining us for what is going to be a very interesting conversation about how you can help reduce the amount of waste that may be coming out of your facilities. And uh, joining me for that conversation, I'm very happy to welcome Ashley Davis and Josh Boyle. Ashley is Global Sustainability Manager PPE at Kimberly Clark Professional, and Josh is Senior Safety Sales Specialist at Fisher Scientific. Ashley, Josh, welcome. Thank you both so much for being here. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Scott. Good to be with you. Excited uh, to start our conversation. So we're you're, we're talking about how to reduce the amount of waste that you know may be coming out of your your facility, and I I imagine you know, the the first phase of that is really understanding you know what types of waste are present at that facility. So uh, Ashley, I wonder if you could start us off by talking about you know how you begin to assess your site's waste stream so that you can then prioritize the work for achieving zero waste. One of the best ways to get started on your waste reduction journey is to go see through a waste walk or even a series of waste walks, depending on the size of your operation. Now, some people might think a waste walk is simply going dumpster diving, but I think assessing the facility's operations at the point of receiving is where you actually start your waste walk. And what I mean by that is you need to understand what all is coming into your facility and operations and where it's being used at. That point of use is your starting place for the waste walk. For our facilities, we complete waste walks to help shape the understanding of what's going on with the facility and the operations. Um, A well-planned waste walk can help the site outline opportunities to optimize how to manage the waste streams and determine what can be diverted. However, you need to make sure the waste walk is properly planned and supported from all stakeholders at the site. All right, a perfect segue into my next question. I wonder, Josh, if you could take it from there. So when you're thinking about planning a a waste walk, how should people be going about that? Yeah, Scott, thank you. Um, as Ashley mentioned uh, towards the end of her statement, um, I think probably one of the most important pieces of it is just ensuring the proper people are involved in the project from the beginning. Um, obviously, having leadership buy-in or sponsorship from them uh, is a great start, but typically the success of the program is going to be dependent on buy-in from the end-user community. So with that, Uh, I would say the next step is to identify the main contacts from the key areas of operations throughout the site. Once those team members are identified, you know, you put a general plan of action together. Once that's been determined, you're going to want to set up your time to walk through the designated areas. So, again, the right people from those specific areas will give you a better end-to-end understanding of the operations and flow of the facility. So each of the different group representatives will be able to provide, you know, greater insight into those particular areas. You know, also physically walking the facility, it it will just give you a different perspective and help identify, uh, you know, where there could be potential challenges. But it also gives you a chance to, you know, see if there's further opportunities with the particular program you're looking to get into. 
Again, you'll also be able to see firsthand the logistics of getting, you know, the waste stream or waste streams you're looking to recycle or divert really from point A to point B. Uh, again, seeing if there's any challenges. Just like any other program or initiative though, you need input from these different groups. Uh, they need to feel like they have a voice and they're represented. Um, and really success or failure really is dependent uh, upon, you know, end users implementation and participation within the program. Sure. Now you, you touched on it a little bit there, but when you're, you're planning that waste walk, you know, who should be involved in that process? Yeah, again, great question. Um, you know, typically I'd say these are representatives from your environmental health and safety groups, um, but folks from maintenance, operations, uh, transportation or logistics, uh, members of a safety or steering committee, uh, really anybody who's really going to have a, a touch point within the program. Um, those are going to be the people that you, you want to actually have go on the walkthrough. Um, I know it seems like a lot of different people from different groups and different areas, but waste touches many different areas of your facility. You know, there are also other people like down the road that you could, you know, get involved as the program, you know, evolves. Those are probably going to be people such as your, your procurement folks, anybody within purchasing or finance, really anybody who's probably responsible for any of these waste or recycling bills. You know, there could be added costs associated with these programs. Um, however, there could also be savings by switching waste streams or, you know, the ability to pay less per ton for recycling versus the general waste stream opportunities to also make money, you know, with materials such as metal, corrugated or plastic wrap. Regardless, you know, it's, it's helpful to and, and probably necessary to have some of those other team members, uh, you know, be involved. Ultimately, they're probably going to be the ones to help with the reporting, not just the billing, but other KPIs that the waste haulers will provide you, uh, you know, ultimately ensuring that, you know, all the particular data gets to uh, regulatory or just the people, you know, affected. Definitely. And, and speaking of data, so you've assembled your waste walk team. Now, Ashley, going into that next step and conducting the waste walk, what information should people be capturing while they're conducting a waste walk? You know, as you prepare for a site walk, I recommend putting together a simple Excel spreadsheet to help you think through everything that you and the team are going to need to review and capture when, when you have your eyes on the operations or, as I say, eyes on the prize. This is one of the most critical areas of the process because, you know, this is getting everyone engaged and supporting the conversation. So spending the time and capturing all of the details necessary to make informed decisions in the future, um, this sets you up for success. So some of the key things we capture through our facility walks, they include, you know, location of the waste and where it's originating from. So I talked earlier about starting at the beginning and seeing where, you know, your raw materials or your finished goods or new products that you're using before they become waste, you know, start at that initial collection point. So are you using PPE in a lab or are you in a manufacturing facility and you have a multitude of manufacturing assets? Are you in a cafe? Um, and you're generating food waste, you know, look at those specific locations and the bins that the waste are going into. So, so capture each one of those locations, you know, you can label it 
lab one, two, three, and four, you know, get really specific in those details. Type of wastes. So looking at production scrap, you might have various compositions being used on uh, a product manufacturing asset. Or if you're in a lab, you're going to be generating various types of waste through your testing process. You might have plastic packaging, corrugate. Is it commingled, single stream? All of these details matter, right? Um, third, what's the volume per waste stream? Per week, per month, per year? In some instances, you might not be able to come up with this information during that waste walk, you may need to come back to this, you know, at a later date and say, let's do some baseline exercises to determine, you know, if there's enough of this one specific waste stream that we could separate that out. But just understanding how much is actually being generated on a regular basis um, will also help you make some, uh, some pretty informative decisions. Fifth, what form or um, type of containers is it being shipped out in? So is it loose in trash bags? Is it being bailed? Is it going to a compactor? All of those things help. Sixth item on my list is frequency, type of, of the frequency of these wastes and um, how the containers are shipping out. You know, you're getting charged on, you know, trailer loads in and out of the facility. There's a cost savings opportunity in that. Where is the waste shipping to? Really understand how your waste is being managed from a partnership standpoint, because um, there might be, again, cost savings opportunities, et cetera. How much does it cost per outlet to manage? You know, are you paying for this service? Are there additional fees? Um, mileage, does those things come into context? Does the method of disposal align with your diversion goals? This is a really important one because later you're going to come back and say, how do I prioritize things? And that's something um, Josh is going to delve into. But you need to know, is this a yes or no? Does it align with our goals? And then lastly, and most, I think, out of all of those pictures speak volumes. And so taking as much pictures as you can through the process. Um, it will help you refresh your memory when you've walked away from that site assessment um, and you're no longer in the weeds with that dedicated team. That helps me all the time. And I use photos even later on in life through, through the waste conversations. So that's a lot of information, but it will help you, you know, really make some informed decisions. And Josh can share more about that. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Ashley. And yes, Josh. So as, as Ashley noted, you're collecting, you know, a lot of information, a lot of, a lot of data. So, you know, what comes next? You know, once you've completed your waste walk, you've gathered that data, you know, what do you do with that information moving forward? Yeah, thank you. Ashley just laid out a ton of groundwork on the information that should be captured on these walkthroughs. It really is going to provide a solid 30,000 foot view, you know, really of the end to end waste process that's coming through your facility. You know, so the question that you're going to really want to ask is what or where is the biggest bang for your buck? You know, really based on all the data you've gathered with your team, you know, where can you best, you know, focus your efforts so you have the largest impact? You know, whether that be a particular area within the plant uh, or a particular waste stream itself. I would say that's the best way to, to look at and dissect, you know, some of that information that you gathered, actually, I just mentioned. 
I'm going to lay out, I guess, just like a little quick scenario, hopefully using, you know, some of the examples and data points that Ashley mentioned and really what to do with that information to, to, to sort of, you know, kind of sum everything up. Um, so while you're on the walkthrough, you know, you're completing it with your team, you notice some of the, the folks on the dock and they're unpackaging some boxes and, and, and doing their typical type of work. But you notice that a lot of the corrugated, you know, cardboard material is being put into the general waste stream. You know, that's not typically the proper, you know, method of disposal. Um, but what it really does is raises a few questions and is a good place in which to focus. I know, again, this seems very straightforward, um, but, you know, part of the process is to raise questions and understand why things are being done a certain way. So in this particular scenario, is there just no cardboard recycling container in this area? You know, is it a logistical challenge where colleagues need to, you know, physically take the cardboard to another location for disposal? Is it a training issue or an opportunity for coaching? If, you know, just in this case, there isn't a cardboard container, you know, there could be an easy solution with just getting the container for corrugated, in which you would probably pay less per ton when compared to the general waste stream. You know, with cardboard being removed from the general waste stream, your volume of your container would be filled more efficiently, you know, thus having to be picked up less often, fewer pickups, you would equate some savings. That right there could offset uh, costs for the new corrugated container. Problem solved, right? But, you know, however, you know, there, there could be other solutions you and your team could review. But what if you obtained a compactor? Again, there would be an initial cost, but in this case, the waste hauler would be paying you to remove the material from now on moving forward. A step further yet, you could bail that material and double your corrugated value from the hauler for the same corrugated material. Uh, you could approach this, you know, with other waste streams in your facility and replicate. You know, shrink wrap would be a good example of a product that takes up a large volume of space, but may also have some value. Again, I know this was kind of a rudimentary uh, example and we got to a, a, a quick result, but I think it reiterates the types of things to look for on these walkthroughs and how to dissect some of the data in your findings you know, really, again, allowing you to concentrate on those areas where you can have the biggest impact. Sure. Now, uh, actually, Josh uh, gave gave a few good examples there. But when you're you're trying to you know nail down some some solutions, and as Josh noted, you you might have you know a lot of different waste streams. How can you kind of begin to assess uh, solutions for these different challenges? So I think there's a few different ways you can go about this. Um, so there's those facilities and operations that generate what I'll call simplistic wastes, such as, you know, cafeteria, corrugate, paper, metals, general trash. Um, reaching out to a local waste management organization near you is a good way to start the conversation and determining what solutions they can bring to the table um, they're going to be focused more localized on those potential recyclers that could help, you know, recycle materials and give those materials a second life, as well as, you know, whatever cost model opportunities there are to, to get a little bit of revenue and deduct that just general waste management fee. For those operations that generate a multitude of complex waste streams, I've seen a couple ways to focus on optimizing your waste management practices. The first 
finding a waste consultant that specializes in diversion. Um, they could come in and assess, you know, how to improve segregation, collection, material flow to redirect waste to new applications that are more composition specific. So if you're using a multitude of different polymers in your site, they could help you determine if there's, you know, value to a resin producer that could sell into injection molding, perhaps, um, and you can receive revenue off of that. Or, you know, Josh mentioned earlier, fiber recycling, there's all kinds of different activities happening in the market now where you could get paid for those materials. And then even waste to energy solutions. So for those impossible things to manage, they, they could help you look at all of the services available and um, if you're a, a nationwide operation, then, you know, creating more strategic partnerships that can help you solve a multitude of site issues, um, th that would be a preferred potential way to go. And the second for those complex waste streams, um, this, this option I've seen and lived through, but leveraging an internal subject matter expert in waste and recycling to assess compositions of your materials and your waste streams and very specific recycling solutions in the market. These SMEs will work with procurement um, to directly manage the relationship so um, and outlets. This option is more realistic for those manufacturing environments where waste streams could have a, a lot more value. So we always use a reference of um, the larger the volume, the larger the value, that's where you prioritize, you know, those, those investment opportunities for, you know, waste solutions. Okay. Uh, you, you talked about partnering with waste management companies and that type of thing. I'm curious, uh, Josh, you know, it, for, for organizations that go that route, you know, what should they be looking for, you know, in a uh, waste or recycling partner? Well, I think there's 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 quite a few things you're going to want to look at and, and really want slash expect, you know, from your your partner here. Um, and I think, you know, first and foremost, you want you need them to be auditable. You want to be able to at any given time, not just initially, but at any given time to be able to uh, be allowed access to facility um, to view your waste stream being processed, um, witness it actually make sure that they're practicing what they preach. Uh, they tell you they're doing something, they're providing documentation, you do want to see it for yourself. So that's the kind of auditable aspect. But, you know, again, you also want that partner to be reputable. You, you certainly want to ensure that they're in it for the long haul. They've been doing it for a long time. They understand uh, not just what they do, but what you do as well. Metrics. Uh, I know I mentioned it earlier. You know, there's reporting that you have to do, whether it be for, you know, internal in your company, out to the local community, to the state, whatever. You want to make sure that you're able to get those types of monthly or annual tonnage reports, spend data, uh, itemized information um, to be able to help you put those reports together. You know, so metrics are, are, are very important. Traceability or transparency. Again, you might be getting a report that says, they did X, Y, Z, but you really want to be able to at any given point uh, or any given time that your waste stream is, is in its destruction process, you want to understand that. Again, that goes back to auditing. They're giving you a, a piece of paper saying that it was, you know, destructed properly, but, you know, you want to ensure that that's actually being uh, taken place. 
hence the auditability and all of that. I would say lastly, the company that you're working with, you're hoping they become a strategic channel partner or business partner. You want them to have a seat at the table with you. Yeah, it's great that you know you get documentation when you need it and whatnot. But do they share similar, you know, environmental health and safety goals that align with your company's goals and strategies? Are they bringing new innovations that are in the market? Are they bringing those to you so you can better have those conversations? And again, with them sharing those types of values and, and everything, you're hoping that you have the same endpoint as far as you know what to expect and everything. Um, again, at the end of the day, if something happens with your waste, once it leaves your facility, if it's not uh, managed properly or whatever, it's going to be your company's name that's in the newspaper mentioning improper waste practices or improper handling. It's not going to be the waste haulers. So that's the reason, you know, you, you really want to have all of these different items and, and really see them as a yeah, strategic, you know, partner. That's that's a very good point and very important for, for folks to remember. So what advice can can both of you share, you know, based on what you've learned in your own waste and recycling journey that you really would like to uh, to leave our listeners with? I think in, in, in my case, Scott, uh, again, ensuring that the proper stakeholders are involved from their uh, inception of the program really is a must. It, it really needs to include, you know, team members of managers, supervisors, uh, hourly employees. Again, if you, you know, don't ultimately get buy-in from everyone, you won't get the participation you want, your program's going to fail, right? They also feel that it's probably thrust upon them, you know, making some people feel not valued. So, so really having as many people involved as you can. Also, you know, your, your site operations can change over time. You know, the type of work completed on the site can change. So you need to be able to have like a nimble group of people who can adapt to these changes, whether that be uh, steering, sustainability committee, some of those other groups I had earlier mentioned. These folks can always be helpful for this. You know, they are the eyes and the ears of the program, but nonetheless, Yes, they will maintain the program, but also ensure it doesn't stay stagnant. Again, allowing for growth and continuous improvement of the program. Absolutely. Uh, Ashley, how about you? You know, I, the unfortunate truth is that waste is an inevitable part of all facility operations. And, you know, if it's not properly managed, it can impact an entire site operations. Um, and that's the last thing anyone wants to do because we're not in the business of making waste, right? We're, we're, we have a totally different objective for, for the operations that we're supporting. So as Josh stated, you know, establishing strong working relationships with your facility teams is critically important. But having spent the past seven years helping our organization manage various waste streams through our operations, having a strong strategic partnership with your waste and recycling partners is so very critical because they can ensure stable support for your operations of today, but they can also help you evolve your solutions for the future as new technologies come into the market, as your waste streams evolve. They are very much as critical as those internal teams. And, um, you know, I, I can't stress, you know, just that full on buy-in from everyone that touches um, the site and the processes and just keeping those relationships healthy. 
Absolutely. I think that's that's a great note to end on. Well, uh, Ashley, Josh, uh, thank you so much again for coming on. That's I've uh, really enjoyed the conversation. I hope uh, you know, organizations keep this in mind as they think about how they can uh, reduce the waste at their, uh, at their work site. So thank you again. Thanks so much. Thank you, Scott. Hopefully it was helpful. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Case for Safety podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us at ASSP.org. And follow us on Twitter at ASSP Safety. We'll see you next time.